Hey, welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Glad you found us for another season. Really hope you enjoyed the guests that we have today. Take a listen. Reach out if you want some more information. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the learn. Hopefully you get better from this. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, we are joined by Jacob Espinosa, a.k.a. Jakey Snakey. Jacob is a current senior at Santa Gertrudis Academy High School in Kingsville, Texas. Jacob is a multi-sport student-athlete competing in football, baseball, track, and cross-country during his time at SGA. Jacob has received many recognitions from his on-field accomplishments, such as several all-district team selections for football and baseball. Jacob is also an accomplished saxophonist and participant in the Mighty Lion Band at SGA. Jacob was selected as a drum major for this school year for the 2020-2021 year and is a four-time area qualifier in the ATSSB All-State Band Competition. In the classroom, Jacob is an outstanding student navigating both high school level and dual credit classes while maintaining A's. Outside of school, Jacob has a huge passion for CrossFit and has represented 6th Street CrossFit at several competitions doing very well for his age group. Enjoy today's episode with Jacob Espinosa, a.k.a. Jakey the Snakey. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I'm joined by Jacob Espinosa. Jacob is a current senior at Santa Gertrudis Academy High School down in Kingsville, Texas. Jacob, man, thanks for coming on and talking with me. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks for having me, Coach. So I'm going to ask you this first. When I when I said, hey, man, you want to come be on the podcast, uh, what did you think? I was surprised because, you know, all of your other guests are like all these experienced coaches. I have all these, have all this knowledge and stuff. And I'm here just like this 18-year-old dude, like, um, okay, I'm still a senior. I don't know. I just hope I can, I don't know, I guess I can be interesting for your viewers. But to be a little different perspective, I guess, from coming from a student rather than a coach or an athlete rather than a coach. So. Yeah. I'm pretty excited to be, I guess, am I the first student you've had? You you are, man. You are. You're the first, um, you're the first current student I've had. The, uh, some of the other ones that I've had, I, <clears throat> I would say, well, one, one kid, I, I was able to coach him for, for a year. Um, I had the pleasure of coaching Jacob. Uh, and when I say coaching, uh, outside of, of football, uh, Jacob, man, he, he, he runs himself. He, he's, He's one of the hardest working kids I've ever been around. Um, he is one of the nicest kids uh, I've ever been around, um, but he's also one of the fiercest competitors. Um, and, and his short stature is is not to be uh, taken lightly. Uh, he's got he's got good speed uh, and, and pound for pound one of the strongest kids I've ever seen. Uh, what what currently do you know off the top of your head what some of your maxes are? Uh, first of all, thank you for that. That was that was really really cool. But um, let's see. I haven't really tested my back squat since I was a freshman. But summer going into sophomore year, I hit three hundred when I weighed about one thirty five, I'd say. And then right now, I feel like I might be able to hit three fifty, but I don't know. That might be pushing it, but I feel like I could. Uh, the other couple, like in July, I went to. 
a weightlifting competition, an Olympic lifting competition. So with the snatch and the clean and jerk, and that was the first time I'd ever done a weightlifting competition, but I've been snatching and doing the Olympic lifts since uh, eighth grade about. So I wanted to go to a competition, you know, see how I stacked up against kids, not really kids, because it wasn't a big meet, but people my weight class and stuff. I ended up snatching 185. Um, and my clean and jerk was 250. I went like three for, no, four for six in the meet. So I missed my last two lifts on, on each one, but that was a pretty good overall experience for me. And what um, weight class did you come in at? It was 67 kilograms. So I think 147 pounds right now I'm sitting about 150, but, um, so then deadlift actually the other like couple weeks ago i tested deadlift at the gym i posted on my instagram um i didn't say the weight because i don't know i'm not really i don't really like to brag i guess on my instagram because the post i made it was kind of like a joke kind of to in in reference to like power lifters who get all hype before their lifts you know <laughs> but I, I feel like i feel like not very many people got the reference though so i don't know but I ended up hitting 375. I didn't try going heavier than that, but I think I may have been able to get 400 on the deadlift. Yeah, man, it wouldn't surprise me if you got 405 on deadlift or even if you got it on squat. Um, <clears throat> you know, I tried to get dead, I tried to get Jacob to power lift for for just I said, man, just show up at a meet. You'll 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 win your division no problem. Even even if you you don't think your bench is very good, your squat and yeah. your deadlift will. We'll take care of that. I couldn't get him, but uh, that that's not to say that, that he was afraid by any means. Absolutely not. Uh, he is one of the busiest people I've ever met. Um, you do band. Uh, you're on at least, what, you, you participate year-round in, in, in terms of at school for, what, four different, four different athletic programs, right? Yeah. You got cross-country, football, baseball, and then you compete uh, in, in the, uh, in, in some of the track events, right? Yes, sir. Well, I didn't do cross country this past year. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Uh, this year I'm definitely going to do, do track and baseball and I did football during the, the fall, mm -hmm. but I also do, um, I'm the drum, I was a drum major this past year in, in band two. So that's kind of busy having like three practices a week, two hours, Monday, Wednesday, I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then in the spring for band, um, or right now, there's this, um, it's a solo competition kind of where you, you're on your instrument and you compete against other kids from the area. You play these, these songs and it's to, it's like an all state thing, mm -hmm. uh, qualifier. So you play two pieces from this, uh, like technique book and, um, there, there's really hard songs and um, kids from around the region. They, well, before COVID, there was a big, a big competition in West Oso with like, I mean, the hallways were literally jam packed with band kids. And, um, I don't want to be mean, but like, it gets really loud. Like, band kids are so <laughs> out there, and like, I don't know. But yeah, um, so all four years I've advanced because the way it works, um, at least for for alto sax, which is what I play um, at region three people from 3A advanced to area and at the area competition only one saxophone out of 
all the regions in uh, South Texas, which is our area, only one makes it to all state band. And so all four years I've advanced to area. So I've been one of the top three in the region uh, in saxophone. So uh, I don't think I've, well, at least nobody from our school has made it to area all four times on saxophone. So, yeah. And then, so that's kind of takes up the, my time during this like winter season for band. So that's kind of takes up some time along with like kind of from, from the transition to football to baseball, I'm doing that. And then during baseball season, there's also another band thing that I do solo and small ensemble where you, you practice this solo with the pianist. So it's like a concerto kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so you practice that. And then they do this. It's kind of different from the region band because you you play in front of a judge, just one judge, and he gives you a rating from four being the worst to one being the best. And basically, if you get a one and you memorize the solo, you can advance to a state competition, which isn't until like June. But there's also a small ensemble competition where you can do a small group of players. So I did a saxophone quartet as a freshman and then a saxophone quintet as a sophomore. Um, and we made it to state in the quintet um, that year. But um, so that's kind of my whole band um, schedule kind of thing throughout the year. So that takes up some of my time. And of course, baseball and track, that's... Um, you know and then with all the school homework and stuff so yeah i guess i guess you could say i'm a pretty busy fella yeah and then you know i think um you know aside from what you do academically and then your extracurriculars for the school i think a lot of people know you as a pretty big crossfit guy you you go to uh, a crossfit gym um at least what uh five to six days a week yeah six days a week Six days a week uh, yes, on, to on top of, of working out for whatever sport is in season, going mm -hmm. to band practice. Like how, how do you, how are you able to budget your time and, um, and still get things accomplished? Cause I'm, I'm sure at some point, right. You got to just feel overwhelmed or has it, have you broken past that point And now it's just part of your normal. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was hard going into high school because middle school, you know, everything's kind of stress-free. You're not really, the classes are so easy. I don't really have to study for any of the classes in middle school. The sports, you know, the practices aren't that long. They're, they don't really take up that much time out of the day. It's basically just during athletics and then a little bit after school, you know. So going into high school, it was, I mean, I had, because I used to go to CrossFit just like once a day after school, you know, during middle school, before I got kind of serious into it. Mm -hmm. And then going into high school, I was like, dang, like CrossFit, this is like so fun. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. So the coach there, Coach Hector, he was like, you can start doing competitions and like get serious with the training with it. And so I started training like, but uh, I used to just do the class workouts, but now I'm following like a separate program that's a lot more advanced and longer and the volume and stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I started having to go to CrossFit and like, I had to wake up five in the morning. 
I, I work out from six to about before schools. Well, before COVID, I would uh, shower at the gym at like 7.30, go to school 7.45. So I'd be at the gym from like six to then. And then, um, and then weekends, I also work out at CrossFit from like 10 to 12, depending if I have a baseball game or a football game and whatnot. Um, and so like balancing everything, it was, it was so hard the first couple years or like freshman, sophomore year, it was so hard, but I started getting into the, um, like mindset, like, man, not very many kids are doing what I'm doing. Like it kind of gave me this motivation. Like you're, you're kind of, you're, I don't want to, I don't want to be like big headed or anything, but like, you're kind of a badass, you know, like doing all this stuff. So it kind of gave me extra motivation to keep doing it, but you know, it was definitely hard. And then let's see. I wouldn't worry about getting big headed, man, to, to do everything that you're doing and to, to do it to the level that you do it. Yeah. Badass is, is, is one way to say, um, others would say elite, um, you know, you, the, the, what you're doing, uh, puts you in, in my opinion, uh, it, it puts you in a level of what great people uh, do or, or pe- what people do and when they're trying to strive to be great. Um, and, you know, you, you've had several different accolades uh, from your athletic career, uh, all district. Um, you know, I think uh, one year you were um, – were you well, this past this past year I was first team for uh-huh. for safety and running back and then when I was a freshman I was newcomer for baseball mm-hmm. um I think I was well sophomore and freshman year of football I didn't really play as much so sophomore year I was uh, I think special teams first team and then last year I honestly don't remember I think I may have been second team safety and then um I may have been special teams again but yeah, those are just the only district things I've gotten. Yeah. And then you've, you know, you've, you've done very well when you go to your CrossFit competitions. Um, you know, like you, you talked about your, your band accolades um, and then academically, man, you're, you know, you're, you're a straight A student. Um, you're, you're probably uh, what top 10 in the class. Uh, pretty close. I'm, I'm like, 13, 14, I think. Yeah, I'm just lucky enough to be gifted with the um, academic, you know, brains from my mom. She's a accountant and she was top 10 in her class and stuff. That's, that's the one thing out of everything that it doesn't really um, affect me as much mentally because it's really kind of effortless right now, at least in the high school classes. But some of the college classes that have the heavy workloads because I'm a dual credit too, um, that's kind of when it started, like, the, it really challenged me mentally, like, I was exhausted from, you know, doing homework right as soon as I got home at, like, 10 o'clock from band practice, from after football practice, um, having to wake up after, like, five, six hours of sleep, it, uh, it was pretty hard for me, but um, I started trying to fix that victim mentality I guess you could say with like feeling sorry for myself like 
man, like, this life sucks. Like, why am, why am I doing all this stuff, you know? I started changing. Well, I read a book, you know, the Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, uh, well, first of all, because at a CrossFit competition that I got, went to in, um, in Austin, the duality, mm-hmm. I did it with uh, Coach Hector. Uh, David Goggins, he was there. He did this little lecture, like uh, interview thing, and I had heard him. That's why I had seen him for the, or heard of him for the first time. And he was talking about his book there and like all the crazy stuff he did, like how his childhood was like so bad and like his father's beating him and him uh, growing up basically poor and then um, him basically turning his life around by joining the Navy SEALs and then doing the three hell weeks and stuff and I was like that book it made me realize like I have it so easy compared to this guy you know like if I if he can do that doing what I'm doing right now is nothing you know and so that's that's when it changed for me when I started being excited about being as busy as I am with all this extracurricular stuff I do that's when I started to realize that you know, doing all this stuff, it's, um, it's gonna, it's gonna impact me down the line way, way more than I I realize right now. So right now I could say, man, like, I'm gonna be so sore tomorrow. I don't want to do this. But I don't know that, you know, weeks, months from now, I keep on doing this. I'll have improved so much, you know, I could be a better athlete, I'll be a better person, you know, pushing through mentally is going to make me a, a better college student, probably pushing through those, those hard work, uh, hard worksheets or whatever essays they do. I don't know yet. Cause I'm not I'm still in high school, but yeah, I feel like as an adult, it'll definitely come in handy to have all this experience with um, hardship kind of not really hardship, but you know, well, you know, uh, I, I love the, I love that you talk about you, you know, you're not creating the victim mentality for yourself. Um, and it's not, it's not what is, what is being done to me, but what is it, what am I doing for myself? And, and referencing David Goggins and his book, I, I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list of, of books to read. Um, and, but I've heard him speak and, and I'm familiar with his story and, and that's it. That's what changed for him is he stopped being a victim um, yeah. He was a very obese person. Um, and yeah, he, just, he, he became his desire to join the SEALs uh, was so great that he he was willing to do whatever it took to get there. Um, you know, and, and some people would say it's it's outlandish. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, he's he's extremely difficult uh, kind of thing. But at the mm-hmm. same time, when you want to be uh, an elite person like that, and you want to be sought after from a standpoint of, of people look, look at you and they're inspired by you, you, you're going to have to be different. You have to go against the grain, uh, you know, and, that, and that's what you do. Uh, you talk about, uh, you know, your, your greatest role models being your parents, Jose Altuve and Matt Frazier. Um, you know, Jose Altuve and Matt Frazier go against the grain, um, now I'm gonna take a take a small guess and say part of that is they're both a little bit short in terms of height, uh, so that kind of helps. But at the same time, you know, you talk about uh, 
Jose Altuve and Matt Frazier and automatically they're associated as, as winners, as great human beings. Um, you know, Matt Frazier being five-time uh, world's fittest man, uh, he is the epitome of, of what, you know, a per, really what a performance athlete can be um, when they just commit to everything and, and go all in. Yeah, you were right about the small thing. Like, well, just for a reference, I'm 5'2 right now. I haven't, I've probably been 5'2 throughout my whole high school career. And that's like really, really small compared to, you know, athlete, athlete wise, you know, that's really small. So yeah, Jose Altuve, just the way he's, the way he's so small and the fact that he can still hit bombs, you know, he's like one of the best hitters in baseball, probably. In my opinion, you know, the past eight, I don't know, six, five, five, six years, he's been top, top of the batting average, you know, stuff like that. And that kind of gives me encouragement. Like you're not too small to be a good baseball player, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, all these college kind of recruitment things, you always see like some, there's been times I've kind of given in and looked at like college baseball rosters. And I, I see nobody under like five, nine, you know? And I'm like, damn, like, am I too small? Like, should I even try, you know, keep on trying with baseball? And then, you know, Jose Altuve, I think it's like 5'6". And I'm like, well, I'm not very, very far away from 5'6". I might be able to go to 5'6 when I'm an adult. Although that might be a little bit stretch, uh, stretching it. But yeah, he definitely, he's the main reason, one of the main reasons. I have a poster of him in my, in my room and everything to keep pushing in sports and then Matt Frazier all of course he's also pretty small I think he's five six two the CrossFit's kind of different all them all them are about the same five six five eight sort of range but yeah Matt Frazier it's not really about the height with him it's more about the just the absolute monster like worth ethic that he has I've seen like all these documentaries and stuff about him he's he has this mentality that if he has a weakness, like in CrossFit, say, he goes, there was this one time at the 2015 games, I think it was, there was this pig flip where it's this, like, 300-pound log or something, and it's, um they had to flip it down the field, and he did, like, horrible at that workout. So, after the CrossFit games, he buys the, the pig from the rogue who supplied the equipment. He brings it to his gym, and he said he spent, like, literally, like, a weeks on end just flipping it up and down the gym because he was so embarrassed that that he got destroyed in that workout so he did not want to get destroyed again and the same thing also he was a terrible sprinter right he he got like second to last in the sprint event at that year's games he comes back the next year in 2016 they also had a sprint event he ends up like getting second place overall in the event because he he takes his weaknesses and he works them so much to where they become better than everybody else in the sport. He takes weaknesses and makes them strengths. So that kind of inspires me to say, you know, to be like that, you know, where say, I don't know, I went to uh, the last competition I did was um, a, well, let's see. I was in, I went to this teenage competition in Austin. It was um, the fittest experience. I don't know if you know it. Uh, It's, well, it's like, it's a pretty big competition, right? Because uh, basically I was a teenage 16, 17 year old division and I was a 16 year old 
so I was like one of the younger ones there but there was these kids were like insane I ended up getting last place in the thing so <laughs> but you know but what did you after what, what that did you take away from there what, what did you yeah. learn from that yeah after that I was like man I'm not working hard enough basically <laughs> I was like if, I, if I'm gonna compete in CrossFit I really need to step up my game like training wise mostly strength wise you know because being one of the smaller ones I kind of had to make up for for that that weight difference being really strong so and then Matt Fraser the same way he's he's pretty much the smallest guy at the CrossFit Games and he still lifts with the with the biggest guys you know and then for the my parents um how they're my role models my dad he um he's kind of had a, a rough going because um he's well he's getting up there in age he's like I don't want to call him out or anything but he's <laughs> he's uh high 50s but the thing is he's had so many surgeries and like he's had a uh, cartilage removed from both of his knees so the joints in his knees are literally scraping against each other and he's had like this disc removal thing in his back but the thing is he still goes to work every day outside uh working in the ac he's in the he's an ac uh commercial ac guy and so he's working like going up forklifts putting ac ducts and whatnot and also on top of that he comes home right now we're actually working in our backyard we're trying to get this swimming pool and so we're renovating the backyard a little bit like taking off all the siding on this uh where the pool is facing the house taking off all the siding putting up more new plywood and then putting new siding up and him me and Jaden are doing that all by ourselves and he basically works non-stop even though he's in pain most of the time you know and then my mom, she's literally works all day, every day. It's crazy. No, all those, all of them give me the extra motivation, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling sorry for myself, like, man, I don't, I have it easy compared to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, you know, Jacob, your parents are some of the best parents I've ever been around. The support that they give, they're, they're at everything. Um, you know, your, your mom was, was one of the first people there, you know, every time we did team meals, uh, always one of the last people cleaning up, smile on her face the whole time. Your dad's at everything. Um, you know, he's encouraging. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're great people. And, and I think that that shows sh- shines through in both you and your brother and, and the lessons that they've taught you guys for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you, you talk a lot about different things, um, but one of the things that I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you two these two questions, um, and you can answer them how, in any order. You know, there there's the knock on CrossFit about, you know, is it good and and you know, what is it what is it really and things of that nature. So, being that you've done this now going on four plus you know four plus years. You know, what is your um, what is your sales pitch to someone that's that's considering going into CrossFit, regardless of where they've come from and regardless of their experiences? What is your sales pitch? And then what would you encourage them to do in terms of looking for the right uh, box to go to? 
Um, because I, 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 you know, I, I've been a couple different ones. Um, but one thing that's always stuck with me is, is that, uh, uh a buddy of mine told me that, you know, CrossFit boxes are a lot like churches, you know, you're going to find, eventually you're going to find the one that you belong to and it'll just check all the right boxes for you, but you may have to go to a couple, but then there's also probably a, a, some that are just doing it to, for the sake of saying that they're doing it right. You know, they want to use the CrossFit name, but they don't really help. So, so what, what, you know, sales pitch CrossFit and, and talk to us about what to look for in choosing the right box. So the thing I like best about CrossFit is no matter, no matter what your body type is, no matter, you know, there's people who do CrossFit who don't have legs or people who do CrossFit who have one arm, you know, they can, Basically, there's something you can get out of it, no matter who you are. And, you know, there's modifications you can do, basically, if, you know, if you're not as advanced yet, they, depending on what box you go to, you know, if they can really, um, you know, they can change, change whatever movements they need to, you know, make you get a workout in, you know, and also the thing is like uh, for me as an athlete it as a student athlete going to crossfit has probably improved my performance in all of my sports more than i I'd, more than i can probably express football wise you know being a small guy i'd say crossfit for me probably is the top reason how why i'm a good football player to be honest and, and at at the level at the high school level. And then, you know, it's CrossFit. The thing is, it's, um, it's not really, you know, if you're just trying to get swole or whatever, you know, you can't really go to CrossFit expecting, you know, to get swole because be sure to like, sure. It'll, it'll, it'll get you in a good physique. If you go for a, a long time and work hard at it, but the t the main thing about it is it for me at least and for a lot of other people because you know there's crossfit there's like this kind of crossfit cult almost you know where people who do crossfit you know post about it everywhere they're like talking to every people talking to everybody they know about it because it's almost addicting like once you get that first workout in and you're like you know sweating and you're dead on the floor you're like man i feel like although you're dead it makes you feel good that you're dead you know like it almost it's almost like um I don't want to say it's like a drug but it kind of is like a drug like you know you get addicted to the feeling of being dead after a workout you know and so that's how where this whole CrossFit you know cult comes from everybody's wanting to sh you know prove I don't know I don't say prove but they're always wanting to show that they're getting this great workout in and there's also this 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 cult that I say it's it's not really a cult it's a community you know there's everybody at the CrossFit gym they're so supportive of each other like at say you're the last person to finish a workout the people who finished before you they're not already leaving the gym you know there's they're staying there and cheering you on to finish they're giving you the extra motivation that you need and that's really the the most beautiful thing in my opinion about CrossFit. Everybody's so supportive of each other. Nobody's judging you. You know, nobody's 
looking at you saying, oh, man, that guy can barely push pressing 65 pounds, you know? Nobody's saying that they're, you know, for, for the most part, they're focused on themselves, but they're also there to support you if you need it. At least that's how I've, in my experience, you know, with at, at my gym, but the, with the, the CrossFit gym thing you're talking about, how, um, how you can find the right one and there's some that are better than others. I, I don't, I won't say any are better than others because you can get a good workout at any CrossFit gym. The main thing that separates them are the communities. There are some CrossFit gyms, I guess, that, you know, it's really, it's really uh, individualized, you know, people are doing their own thing everywhere, just kind of stuff like that. And then there's the ones where, you know, there's group workouts and everybody's, everybody's friends there, basically, right? You start making all these friends at the gym and they are the ones who kind of start, they start being accountability, you know, for you to keep going. Like, I'm going to keep going because I, I know that, I don't know, I know that Jesse's going to go and I know that Heather's going to go and I know that Mike's going to go, you know? So I, I need to go to be with them and be there to support them, just like they're going to be there to support me. And, you know, this whole CrossFit gym uh, separation kind of thing, really, there's no, there's, in my opinion, I don't know, you can find gyms that the programming, you, you might like a gym's programming better than you like another gym's programming also, but the main factor, you know, in staying with the CrossFit gym is the, the people you meet there, you know? Like yeah. the people in my gym, like there's they're all nice. They're all um like I can say probably like the programming is probably easier at my gym class wise than at the other Kingsville gym. But I think the community at our gym is really closely knit because it's a small gym, you know, it's not as big. But mm -hmm. the classes are a lot smaller, but it's the tight the knit the I don't know how closely knit the people are there and how supportive they are of each other. That's the main thing about CrossFit that's better than going to Planet Fitness or going to the track or going, I mean, all those are good ways to get in shape, but that's the whole, the whole pull of CrossFit with, is the community of it, the community aspect of it, I should say. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, you know, the fact that I can still talk to people, uh, you know, the, from the from the year or so that I did that I was part of CrossFit Kingsville um, it is really cool and then you know I, I've trained in a couple of different um, in my opinion like real gyms not like the commercial kind of gyms and there's that that sense of community and camaraderie where you're right you're not being judged um, for what you can and can't do or how you look um, and it's very different than uh, what to me, it's very different from what they sell you at like a planet fitness um, or, or some of these other ones. And I get it, you know, money does play a factor into things. Um, and, you know, and people can get a little, um, I, you know, a little shocked by the, by the price of, of what a, a CrossFit membership lends itself to. But if you look at and you break it down, what it costs you over the, over time, really is cheaper um, than, you know, your commercial gyms where you pay 10 bucks a month, um, but you have to go. 
in order to get the value of it. Um, but like you say, you know, when that if you have that community and that camaraderie, it becomes accountability exactly like that. You know, you you want to go not just because you're trying to get better, but because the people you train with help make you better because they push you. At the end of the day, right, the greatest competitor you have is is you versus your worst self. Uh, I forgot who I, I got that from, but you know that, that you you have to look at yourself in the mirror every day and go, okay, am I going to get better today, or am I going to stay the same, or am I going to get worse? Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, who else is around you. You know, you, you're still in competition with yourself every day because if you're getting yourself better, then eventually you're going to surpass other people regardless. Uh, that's just the, it's just you know it'll equal out yeah. that way. So, but uh, you know, at the beginning, I asked you what you thought about as to why I wanted you on, um, you know, and, and one of the things I wanted to ask you about was you as a student athlete. Uh, I, I you talk about the guests I've already had on, and many of them are, are current coaches, and they have a whole lot of experience. But at the end of the day none of them and myself included, we wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for you guys. So, you know, take some time and talk about what, what makes, what makes in your opinion, not a coach. Um, and, and I love your answer that you, that you wrote in the questions I sent you, you talk about the difference between a good and a great coach. So kind of elaborate on, on those two differences and, and what it means for, for you as a student athlete, um, when you are around what you consider a great coach? Yeah, um, I think, you know, coaches really, everybody thinks they know, like, what they're talking about. Good coaches, they've studied whatever they're coaching, say, say you, like you studied all this defensive stuff in football. And good coaches, they can, you know, they take all this knowledge, they they're always learning you know coaches they're always learning trying to bring this knowledge into their athletes and i think a good coach you know if if they know enough about the game and they know um they're a good they're good at talking to kids you know anybody can be a good high school coach or a good middle school coach if they know enough about football or basketball but um you know what I was saying about how a great coach, there's there's a difference between you know, like any coach and a coach of like a winning team, in my opinion. And I feel like the coaches of the winning teams, they they kind of get their players to to have a different mindset than the other teams, you know, like the the coaches who can get into their their athletes' heads, you know this like almost like this beast in their head you know like we're gonna work hard so we're gonna work so hard every day we're gonna get better every day we're gonna destroy whoever on Friday I feel like you know to be a great coach you have to not only be well versed in the game but also be an inspire be a good be good at inspiring the players to do what you say basically there's a lot of coaches out there who are just yellers. They're like, who are mostly about discipline than about, you know, anything else. They're always 
say, oh, you're late to practice, go run this many laps or go do that many up downs. And I've had coaches like that to where it kind of creates this toxic environment. And I feel like in the great programs, the environment in those schools is probably, you know, everybody is excited to show up to practice every day. Everybody's excited to go to the weight room and get lifts in because they know they're good. You know, the coaches have have it in their heads that they're winners. And that's probably the main thing as to why there's there's winning schools who are you know traditionally good at winning, and there's other schools who are traditionally, you know, well, I don't want to be mean, but you know, they're traditionally they're kind of suck because the the mindset that the athletes have is way different. You know, losing schools, you know, they probably go through coaches, you know, every two or three years, you know. And so the, the coaches that come in, the athletes already have it in their minds that they're probably not going to be very good this year. You know, we're probably only going to win two or three games. And that's why I feel like it's so hard to go to turn a losing program into a winning program. Because especially when the co- the coaches get fired after two or three years, you know, since they haven't won any games, because you kind of have to ins- instill this mindset from like seventh grade when you start playing sports for, for the school, you have to, you have to build up the program, you know, from seventh graders all the way to the, to the senior level. And the coaches who, um, who can, you know, make the players into beasts, you know, I feel like the main part of that is finding a balance between being too hard on them and, you know, just being kind of lax about everything because, you know, if say um, this uh, team who had a even record coming into the year or last year, this coach comes in and is like, all right, guys, we're going to go undefeated this year. I don't care what y'all say. We're going to work so hard that we're going to go undefeated. That team, they probably, you know, can believe the coach when he says that. But if that same coach were to tell a losing a team that, you know, didn't win any games last year, that the team, the losing team would be like, man, this guy's full of shit. You know, there's no way we're going to do that. So they get it. They already have it in their heads that, you know, there's no way we're going to do that. They're already down about themselves. So they don't work as hard, but that team that had an even record, they're like, okay, yeah, we can do this. So that coach has, has it in their minds that they're going, they're excited to work hard basically because they know that they have a chance to be good they kind of have to, you have to set a realistic expectation for them. I feel like one that's not too easy, but also not, you know, way out of their minds that that's impossible. That's part of the inspiration part of it. And there's also the part where like, you know, and, and practices say the conditioning and stuff, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of coaches who literally let's you know run at the beginning of practice run between periods run at the end of practice and that necessary that doesn't always necessarily transfer into good coaches you know and you have to find a a balance between you know getting them in shape to where they're in better shape than the rest of their opponents but also don't burn them out to where they're like man i hate running i'm not going to try as hard because there's 
I mean, in my experience, there's a lot of kids who, when they're, when they're not feeling it, you know, they're like, oh man, I hate this coach. Why anybody's buddies make us run so much? They end up jogging all the reps and that's not getting them any better. So you have to kind of find a balance between going too much to where, you know, everybody's gonna, just going to half-ass the reps and then, you know, not doing enough to where they're going to be tired at the end of the half, at the end of the half. And then we're going to get blown out in the second half because nobody's in shape. But I feel like the main difference is the kids, you know, because there's probably, well, I don't know. I don't want to call out our school or anything, but you know, not, not enough kids take it serious, take the work, the work part of it, like the weight room, the conditioning, they don't take that part seriously enough, you know? That's what, why I feel that we haven't been as successful in football because not enough kids care enough to work hard in the weight room and work hard in the running and the sprints. And so, I feel like the reason that I'm one of the only ones who's like that is because in seventh grade, um, in track, I had this coach, um, Coach EJ, um, and track, he, he basically saw this um, – He's the one who first got me to realize the benefits that working so hard would do for me. He's, I guess he saw potential in me because seventh grade, I was kind of a stud in track, I guess. I didn't lose a single, a single race, um, individual race. So he had me working out with the high schoolers and these guys were freaking big compared to me, you know, they were fast like Preston uh, Robbie he was like the main guy there he was like state qualifier on the 400 and he had me he literally had me okay so they were running a 300 meter uh, interval this one day he had me get behind him and say he told me stay with him throughout the whole rep M mind you this guy runs like a sub 5400 and I run like a 56 at the time like okay this is impossible but I'm still gonna try my best you know so he's he kind of got me to realize that all this running, all this, you know, pushing myself mentally. He also, um, he also had me, you know, all this working out with the high schoolers and um, he, he kind of took me under his wing, wing kind of, and he's the one who kind of was the first, he's the one who ignited the passion for me and working hard, in my opinion. That's, I feel like maybe that's why I'm the only one one of the only ones who um, understands the importance of that, but yeah, the the cool that like that that was a good a great coach for for example. He got me his athlete to realize the benefit of killing myself in practice every day. You know. Yeah, uh, I like those answers. They're very honest and, and real answers, and that's. You know, that's what we do. And, and, and everybody's perspective may be a little different, um, but that's yours. And, and I, you have results to back up, you know, what, what you're doing. Um, you know, and I think that that's, it's great. Um, you know, I, I've, I enjoyed the time that I, that I was able to coach you. Um, I, I, love, I love the fact that you and I can still have uh, a relationship after I left. Um, you know, and, and, and I can ask you questions and, um, you know, we can exchange uh, encouragement, uh, 
on on Instagram when it goes when it comes to uh, to lifting and, and whatnot, you know, and, and you know, you always have me as a supporter of you uh, and, and your family and, and whatever you guys do. I I firmly believe that you're destined for great things, uh, just because your work ethic will not allow you to fail. So uh, I want to kind of wrap it up here. And, uh, you know, my, my question would be, if you were a coach, you know, what advice would you give to your athletes about the things that you value and what they can do for you in your future? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I feel like if I, I don't know if I'd be a good coach because I don't know, I, I might be probably a too mean coach or something because I feel like, I feel like too many athletes are too easily distracted by meaningless things. You know, they're spending probably five, six hours on their phone every day or, you know, spending the whole weekend partying or what and whatnot and I, I just feel like kids these days athletes student athletes they need to get their priorities straight because you know if I might myself included you know there's times where you know I I find myself like okay I, I probably I can probably tell you I've deleted Instagram at least 50 times in the past two years I just you know I realized like, man, this is way too distracting for me. I could be doing so many other things right now that get me better as an athlete or get me better as a sax player or get me better as a person, really. I could be reading a book right now. I could be going outside and hitting baseballs right now. And, you know, I don't know if as a coach I could control that, but I would try my best to, you know, try and get them to understand the importance of, you know, of how this can change your life in the future, you know, you can develop a work ethic that like, kind of like I have, that will help you when you become an adult in the real world, that'll help you become successful, not only as a student athlete, like as a person, because I feel that there are so many talented kids out there that do not live up to their full potential because of stuff like that, because they don't, they don't uh, focus enough on their schoolwork, or they throw their life away by getting a DUI or, you know, going to jail for what, who knows what, because this whole, I don't know, this whole generation, I, I guess you could say, I feel like this whole social media kind of era that we live in, so many people are trying too hard to be popular, like, they're trying to do things that'll make them cool or that'll, you know, make them accepted amongst the cool kids or whatever. Cause you know, like, I feel like they start to change as they get into high school, like from eighth grade going to freshman year, kids like look at the, the, you know, the upperclassmen who are good athletes and they see them and they're like, man, these guys are partying on Fridays. I need to start partying on Fridays because I want to be accepted by them. You know, I want to be like them. And that's, I feel like so many kids who could 
probably be college athletes or probably, you know, at least be like, can imp- contribute to their school and contribute to their team so much more than they do because they don't have their priorities straight. They don't, they don't understand that, how it could change their life or how they're already changing their lives by messing up their lives by doing all that stuff, you know? That's one of the things that, you know, I wish didn't exist, honestly. I feel like it's all in this generation that I live in, you know, that probably back in the day, like the way my dad and, you know, my uncles and how they tell it, their practices and their, you know, and when they were in high school, way different than how how ours are because we've kind of gotten soft, you know, (laughs) like people are hurt to too um easily or you know they get their feelings hurt because the coach yells at them and they're like like I don't need to listen to you I'm like I can throw 90 or you know I can I can uh run over this dude and I'm like stud running back you know I don't need to listen to you I feel like that's the main reason why there aren't very many people from our schools who make it into college you know only like less than 5%, I think, high school athletes become college athletes. I feel like, you know, there could be a lot more than that if if kids understood and, you know, if they found that passion, because I know they have a passion for these sports. If, if, they're, if you're good at something, you develop a passion for it. And then by, you know, but you lose that passion when you, when you, you know, spend too much time, you know, watching YouTube or Netflix or um, hanging out with your friends too much. I mean, I don't want to say, you know, oh, you have to, you know, nonstop work, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's times to have fun, but there's also times where, you know, you, it's for, it's business, you know, you have to, you have to realize that, like, for me, at least, I always think, you know, what is somebody who is a college, you know, prospect whatever, doing right now? He's probably not, you know, laying right here on his bed watching, you know, The Office or whatever. He's not, you know, he's not taking a nap right now. He's probably out there hitting baseball. He's probably taking grounders right now. That's, I think you, they need to develop, if, if, I'm in, if I'm a coach and you know, I'm talking to athletes, I want to try and develop a mindset in them that, you know, that they need to, you know, I want to um, kind of basically ignite the passion for them, you know, ignite the passion for them to continue working hard in sports and in school to where they can, you know, go to college for free to play softball or baseball or whatnot, you know. I think that's the main thing that that I would, but I think that's probably reaching it or you know that's um no man that's that's a great answer i think it's an answer that that even adults uh need to hear and you know i i I can i can honestly say i i I get lax and you know i spend too many too much time scrolling and yeah me too going down the youtube rabbit holes and you know what can i be doing better you know I'm, i'm with you so but Buddy, I really appreciate you taking the time and talking to me. I'm I'm sorry I'm taking I'm taking time away from you for for, nah, getting ready for baseball season. 
But um, I'm, I'm so excited to see what the rest of this this year holds for you. Like I said, I, I know that there's going to be greatness ahead of you. Uh, you're going to go to uh, college. You're going to do great things. And, you know, uh, it won't surprise me if one day, you know, we're looking and, and, and I can say that I remember when Jacob Espinosa came on the podcast and he's done a hundred more because people want to talk to him the way they want to talk to David Goggins or Matt Frazier. I, you know, I, I'll, I'll say that on uh, January 13th, 2021, when we recorded this episode, you know, don't be surprised if down the line people want to want the real, you know, Jacob Espinosa story and, uh, and all that. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you to Jacob for taking the time out to talk with us today on the Hanging with Coach Unit podcast. Really hope you enjoyed this new perspective, having the eyes of a teenager and current student athlete giving us insight into what he believes uh, a coach should be, as well as uh, how he handles his day-to-day life and demands. I wish Jacob all the best. I know he's destined for great things, and I look forward to following his career post-high school. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really hope you enjoyed today's guest. Don't forget to leave a like and a review. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fix from. Ratings and reviews really help us reach more viewers. Peace out. Have a nice day. Be the change you want to see in the world.